Welcome back to another edition of the God Shot Recovery Podcast. I'm Asher. I'll be your host for the next 35, 40 minutes. Um, a little bit about our podcast. We feature and we go through various materials from textbooks of um, 12-step and other recovery programs. We're learning about different modes of recovery. We're expanding our awareness and understanding of what the word recovery even means. Everyone has their own idea of recovery, but we're trying to um, bring awareness and understanding to this concept of recovering as opposed to um, being sober. Being sober and physically abstaining for whatever from whatever our addiction of choice was gets our foot in the door. It gets us on the path of recovery. But to actually be in active recovery, actively participating in one's recovery, uh, that's a very dynamic goal. Um, and it's a recovery of consciousness. It's a recovery of capability. It's a recovery of dignity. It's a recovery of self-worth. It's a recovery of innocence and a recovery of uh, connection to spiritual love and truth. It's a recovery of the ability to love and be loved, to creatively express ourselves. When we are actively recovering, we are engaged in a very dynamic process. And there's different um, recovery modalities and groups out there that are focused on specific modes and modalities of recovery. And so this is, uh, you know, a, a weekly podcast where we just bring some awareness and understanding to that and learn from those different programs. Today, we're going back to the mother of all programs, um, Alcoholics Anonymous. And we're going to dive right into a reading. This is in page 66 and 67. I was just secretary of a 1230 meeting that happened right before this meeting over here at Pathfinders. And Al G was the leader today, and he read a very good passage. And, uh, and uh, so what I wanted to do, I was hopeful that other people were going to show up today, but um, um, today it looks like it's just going to be me, but we're going to keep the candle, uh, keep the fire burning. We're going to keep holding space. Um, I'm a big believer in demonstrating willingness to, uh, my higher power and to the creative universe. I'm showing my higher power and I'm showing spiritual love and truth that I'm willing to hold space for the recovery process by being here just by myself and doing some reading from the book and expanding on that with my own unique perspective. Anything that I say in regards to this reading from the alcohol, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, that's just my personal perspective. It's my personal understanding in the way that I'm discerning and distilling the information that I'm about to share with you. So I'm not a spokesperson for anything other than my own unique perspective. All right, so this is, we're going to start on page 66 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. But with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal, for when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. 
the insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. And with us, to drink is to die. All right, so there's a lot going on in that paragraph that I just wanted to unpack. So when I, you know, well, first of all, when I'm just kind of going through it and I'm thinking about resentment, I believe the Latin root, the root word in Latin of resentment is to feel again. So when I'm going through life and there's some sort of a situation, some experience triggers me and triggers a resentment. It triggers me into what I call my alcoholic avatar. It triggers me to disconnect from my my higher power. It triggers me to triggers me out of spiritual love and truth. It triggers me into fearfulness. It triggers me into the need for control. It triggers me into this persona or this character that I get triggered into. It's almost like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I don't know which one's the gnarly one, but either Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde. One of those guys uh, was a real whirling dervish. He did a lot of damage. And I, I don't know enough about the story to be able to articulate how uh, this other persona or this other character came out. And um, all I know is that I think each one of us can identify with that, that in a moment, I call it my chump button. Someone pushes my chump button and I get triggered into this persona or this trauma avatar or this alcoholic avatar. I'm a reactive, um, resentful, angry, self-righteous, insecure um, entity. I wouldn't even call me a, a human being, but it's an entity. And um, energetically, I start to interact with my environment in a different way. I'm very fearful and I'm very obsessed with control. I want to control this person or the situation that's stepped on my toes, that's done me harm, that's done me wrong. Very All I can see is what other people are doing to me or how I am inadequate in some way. So when I start to see myself as inadequate or inferior to other people, I want to hide. I want to compensate by stuffing my chest out, by inflating my ego and making myself look better than I actually feel. And other times when people step on my toes and they make me feel insecure, they make me feel vulnerable or a way that I can't control, I need to attack that thing and I need to neutralize that threat, so to speak. But all of that, everything that I just described to you, um, it, it brings on a state of deep resentment. And when this big book is talking about deep resentment, it's a deeply ingrained automatic response to life based on a previous experience that I've had. Usually it's an experience involving trauma or neglect. Someone abandoned me. Someone ignored me. Someone invalidated me. Someone violated me. Someone did something that made me react and go unconscious and separate from God. And in that dissociated, spiritually disconnected space, I felt emotions and I felt vulnerable and I felt angry and I felt confused and I felt blame and I felt shame and I felt regret. And all of those feelings are those feelings of deep resentment, deep seated resentment that are in me that are just waiting to become active. So 
for me as someone who's a recovering alcoholic, <clears throat> um, you know, the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience is paramount. And when it's talking about a spiritual experience, it's me having a palatable, authentic, personal relationship with spiritual love and truth or a greater power than self, a greater spiritual power than myself. Okay. And so that for me to continue to deepen and strengthen and solidify that connection to spiritual love and truth, that's the only hope I got. I, and I call that spiritual love and truth within me, that God consciousness, that's what I am. That's what I am. That's what I am. If you simmer down my personality and my, myself down to its most authentic essence, you would find an extension of God consciousness there. You would find an extension of spiritual love and truth. And what happens as we move through life and we experience these moments of trauma and neglect, we turn away from spiritual love and truth. We, we almost like throw dirt over our connection to spiritual love and truth. Our ability to authentically express ourselves becomes compromised out of a fear of some sort of retaliation or a fear that some something's going to come back at us. We cannot stick our heads out anymore. We can't afford to be vulnerable and risk ourselves in this way. So we start to build out this persona or this alcoholic avatar or this character of unconsciousness, this, this trauma avatar, whatever you want to call it. But this is like an energy mass. It's not, it's like an ego. It's not who we are. It's only a fragmented part of us because it lacks a connection to the more authentic parts of myself and also to that fundamental essence, that spiritual love and truth that is what I am. So when who I am has no connection to what I am, I'm basically living in that avatar and I'm living in these resentments all the time. I'm experiencing emotions I don't want to feel. And not only am I experiencing emotions I don't want to feel, I'm experiencing emotions that are totally inappropriate and inaccurate, which means that I could be experiencing anxiety or regret or sorrow or guilt or shame in moments that anyone who might be observing that experience I'm having would guess that I should be experiencing wholeness or solidif solidification or joy or uh, gratitude or appreciation. Because whatever the moment is that the outsider is observing is something that's life affirming, which means it's invoking a sense of optimism and fulfillment about life. The girl is 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 maybe uh, validating me, or you know, getting validation from someone. Someone wants to love me. Someone is being kind to me. Someone's extending a hand to me. Someone is trying to nurture me. Someone's trying to. What's the word? mentor me or take special interest in me and help me. But my response to that, because I lack a spiritual rudder, because I'm disconnected from um, what I am, <clears throat> I haven't, uh, I perceive all these gestures, these loving overtures as threats or danger. And it makes me shrink back or brace up from these experiences and these opportunities for growth and expansion. And in doing so, I cut myself off from the sunlight of the spirit. And that just means that I cut myself off from that 
inner reserve of spiritual love and truth. And when that happens, I start to immediately shrink in consciousness. I start to immediately feel abandoned or neglected or inadequate. That fear begins to take over. And if I stay in that fear and in, the, in that anxiety and that spiritual disconnection long enough, I'm going to take extreme measures to correct that spiritual disconnection. And usually I lack the awareness to understand what's going on. And so I'll be blaming other people in that moment. I'll act like a victim and I'll make it someone else's fault. I'll start spiraling and creating a feedback loop in my brain where now, you know, the option of spiritually reconnecting is not even in my mindset. Now it's just about doing anything, no matter how drastic and self-defeating, to change the way I feel inside myself. And that usually, and it could be boredom. It could be exhilaration. It's any emotion I can't control. You know, and in comes this need to protect myself. And off I go, um, getting drunk or high again. So, all right. So that's what I get from that. So the insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. But with us to drink is to, to drink is to die but the insanity of the alcohol comes in and when it says the insanity of alcohol it means it's the insanity of like thinking that the alcohol is going to be an adequate solution for this spiritually dis- disconnected fearful mindset that I'm living in so all of that just says to me that fear and anxiety a reactive mindset kicks me off my spiritual surfboard. And in that space of spiritual disconnection, I, um, the insanity of alcohol, the insanity of alcohol being a solution comes back. And then I drink again. I, I, I act on that. I indulge in that old pattern and I get taken for a ride. I take the drink and the drink takes me for a ride. All right. So on to the next paragraph. If we were to live, oh, let me put my glasses back on. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. So we cannot stay in that space of spiritual disconnection, no matter how self-righteous and how um, ego validating that space might be. Without a spiritual rudder, we are shipwrecked. We turned back the list for it held the key to the future. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had power to actually kill. How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. This was our course. We realized that people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way that they disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. We asked God to help us show them the same tolerance. God, we asked God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended us, we said to ourselves, This is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God save me from being angry. Thy will be done. So this is so much easier said than done for me. 
when I'm in that spiral and I'm in my alcoholic persona or my alcoholic avatar and someone's just pushed my chump button and I'm triggered and I'm uh, angry and I'm emotional and I'm living in those resentments and I'm living in that, uh, I'm now living in the reality that my avatar likes to maintain, which is a reality where people are doing things to me and that I'm a victim somehow of other people and that I'm incapable of taking care of myself and that other people need to be relied upon in ways that are unhealthy in order for me to survive. When I get triggered into that, um, my experience has been that only I can bring myself out of that. And I can bring myself out of it by calling people on the phone I can bring myself out. First thing is to recognize that I've gotten into that and that I've triggered myself into a fearful, reactive, unconscious, dissociated mindset, and I have no spiritual power. Um, I'm operating with zero spiritual power. I'm all localized power. I'm disconnected from the grid, and I'm running on finite energy, and I have zero awareness, zero wisdom to guide me. So, you know, uh, the main thing is to realize that that's where I'm at and to reconnect internally first and foremost. So rather than being the, the, so this is a sick man, how can I be helpful to him? Well, the most, the best thing that I can do in that moment to be helpful to individuals who have triggered us and that are actively, um, <clears throat> you know, um, disturbing us is to do what we can to quickly bring ourselves back into alignment, to bring us back into grace with our higher power, to bring ourselves out of that um, fearful, reactive trauma um, avatar and to reconnect to spiritual love and truth, get back on the spiritual surfboard. That's the best way that we can be helpful to that person. Like that, you know, um, a confused mind is only capable of making other minds confused. So if we allow a sick, disturbed, distorted, twisted mindset to bring our minds into confusion and sickness, well, we're not helping that person at all. All we're doing is validating them and giving them um, power by giving, by giving our power away to that person. So it's really important for us to, you know... Yes, say the prayer because God is willing to do what he can or it is it can. But God consciousness isn't the person that's going to bring us out of that dissociated state without some sort of demonstration of willingness on our part. So for me, it's I have to know what my uh, survival patterns are. I have to know what my defects are. And when someone triggers me into a defect, I need to recognize it and I need to do a prayer around that defect and I need to acknowledge that defect and I need to state to myself that I desire the opposite. So if I get triggered into my victim um, defect, so I have one of my defects of characters that I'm overly reliant on people or I act like a victim. So if I've recognized that I've gotten triggered into my victim um, defect, I will recognize it and I will say, this is the mantra specifically that I do to bring myself out of it. I say, I just love being personally responsible for myself and my commitments. And then I say, I choose to continue being personally responsible for myself and my commitments. 
And then I say, I am continuing to be personally responsible for myself and my commitments. And then I bring the prayer part in. So first I have to tell the universe and my higher power and myself, this is what I choose to focus on. I don't want to indulge in this old familiar survival pattern of acting like a victim to take people's energy. I don't want to do that. So I am choosing to be personally responsible for myself and my commitments. And I am continuing to do that. And then I bring my higher power into it. So I say, God, please help me to be personally responsible for myself and my commitments. Then I say, God, um, please grant me the awareness and <clears throat> the spiritual power to be personally responsible for myself and my commitments. And then I say, God, thank you so much for helping me to continue to be personally responsible for myself and my commitments. So that demonstration right there, that demonstration of willingness, that demonstration to take my trauma avatar by the hand and redirect its focus and get it back on the spiritual surfboard where its energy can be integrated back into me as a whole conscious, joyous person. Um, you know, that's the best thing that I can do for that person. How can I be of service to this person? is being, you know, not being of service and validating his insanity by becoming insane myself and reflecting that insanity back to him. All right. So yes, we avoid retaliation or argument. So we want to be in the pause. We want to be neutral. We don't want to just react. We want to recognize that we're getting heated, that our Trump button, our Trump button, our chump button just got pushed. And we are becoming reactive. The minute we recognize that, we can, you know, we can have our normal reaction as best we can, but then immediately we're going to try to get back into alignment. So we wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. And we're not always going to be helpful to that sick person. But when we treat our these people, when we react to these people with anger and rage and resentment, we stay in that anger, rage, and resentment, and we limit our ability to be helpful to other people, not just this person, but people in general, to be of service to spiritual love and truth. That's my job now is to be of service to spiritual love and truth. I want to serve spiritual love and truth rather than be a slave to instinctual fear and the need for control. That's my choice that I've made. That's the decision I've made. So I need to support that decision with my words and with my actions to the best of my ability. So we cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. This means just sometimes this just means not giving sick people the power by getting off our spiritual surfboard and getting out of love and into fear and anger. <clears throat> Referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done us, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to discard the other person involved completely. Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. 
We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. So, you know, sometimes uh, where we've been foolish, dishonest, self-seeking and frightened, obviously, if we're someone who's dealing with like uh, if we're an incest survivor and a member of our family repeatedly violated us sexually or physically, um, then, you know, we had done anything to that person. So but in general, as a human being on the face of the planet, there has been moments that we've been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking and frightened. Of course, maybe not to the extent that this individual had violated and hurt us, but we can definitely recognize that we're not perfect and we have done things to other people that that has caused them harm. Okay. So all we're trying to do when we say discard, disregard the other person involved completely is we're just reminding ourselves, we're taking back the focus to us and we're saying, look, I've been frightened. I've been self-seeking. I've been dishonest. I've been selfish. I've been straight up uh, abusive to people in the past when I was afraid or fearful. I've done things to people to make them make their time on this planet harder and more challenging. And I've done things to people to diminish their faith and trust in humanity and limit those people's ability to create new experiences in the future out of love. I've left a mark. I've left an impression on those people. I've, I've impacted them in a way that was not helpful and separated them from their higher power and spiritual love and truth. I've done that. So yes, and people have done that to me, but I'm not a victim because I've done that too. So that's basically what we're doing. So, and then we're going to start to notice that the words fear Oh, sorry. Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults listed, when we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. When we did this, we started to notice that the the word fear is bracketed alongside difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. So these are people on the four-step example that's listed in the big book. Um, so basically, we're saying that we have all these resentments against these people, such as Mr. Brown, Miss Jones, and the employer. But their fear was somehow involved. And this short word somehow touches upon every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. But did we not did but did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with us uh, with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper. Even though we had no resentment in connection with them, we asked ourselves why had we why we had them? Wasn't it because self-reliance had failed us, which means, you know, a self operating independently of a, its connection to what it is. So who we are just running the show with no access to spiritual insight or wisdom or spiritual power that emanates from what we are. So um, so self-reliance in that respect failed us because a self operating independently of spiritual love and truth is an inadequate guide and will never get us where we truly desire to be. 
So self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but we didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was even worse. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so, for we now rely on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns. So I want to update that a little bit. Yes, we are in the role. <clears throat> we are in the role. We are in the world to play roles that we can sustain and that can bear fruit. And we cannot sustain any role, nor will that role bear any fruit if it is a role that we are playing while we are in our trauma avatar or our unconscious character because that role is inauthentic and it lacks all input from what we are, that spiritual love and truth, which is what we are, that emanates from our being. That's what we are. And if we're not creating our lives authentically with a connection and insight from that spiritual love and truth, well, we're going to miss the mark every time. Okay, so, so it's not that God assigns us the role, it's that God grants us the adequate and necessary spiritual insight to allow us to really recognize and embrace <clears throat> the kinds of roles that we can sustain and that will bring us maximum joy and wholeness because our higher power knows us better than we do. So this requires us to let go of the roles that we've been playing and then step into the unknown and allow this spiritual insight to grant us the wisdom necessary and help us to cultivate the power and courage necessary to start to walk in that direction that we're being led to. The God higher power can't do anything without our willingness. And our willingness begins by reconnecting to that deeper part of ourselves. So we're a whole unified person and that person can adequately decide the course of action because it's no longer playing a role like in an authentic character. It's consciously creating an authentic existence based upon a deep knowing and understanding and acceptance of what and who they are. All right. Um, we are in the world to play the role that God assigns just to the extent that we, that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him. Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? Okay, so having a connection to spiritual love and truth allows us to live from the inside out. So internally we have serenity and this serenity comes from that connection. It doesn't come from there being traffic or no traffic or getting a text or not getting a text or a bunch of people showing up for something we're doing or no one being there. Like external stuff comes and goes. We're going to try a bunch of things. We're going to throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and only some of it's going to stick. But it doesn't matter because we already have wholeness. We already are enough. But these external circumstances don't mean they don't define us. It's our spiritual connection that defines us. And that's what I'm demonstrating over and over and over and over again every week by showing up with my higher power and doing the best I can to, to impart this information to you and to hold space for what I'm what my desire is, is to be a spiritual leader, to be someone who's helping other people to learn how to spiritually serve, to help people to impart this spiritual wisdom that's been given to me so freely. So um, 
Yeah, and so, all right. <clears throat> I think we'll, we're going to do this next paragraph, and then we're going to stop for today. So we never apologize to anyone for depending upon our Creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. They never apologize for a God. Instead, they let him demonstrate through us. We demonstrate. We allow God to demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask God to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once, we commence to outgrow fear. That's beautiful. Wow, what a what an amazing book those guys did. <laughs> I mean, think about that. That's 100 years ago, and that's just, I couldn't say it any better than that. Um, so we're, we're, when we step out of fear and we step into spiritual love, we open ourselves to be, you know, um, instruments through which our higher power can demonstrate through us. And we're going to be demonstrating the power of spiritual love and truth through our words and actions. And other people can see that and they'll go, wow, this guy's really, something's different about him. They become attracted to this person authentically and organically because of that spiritual power that every person who's just living um, fragmented or is, is living um, independent of their own internal spirit, there's the, you know, they, they have a desire, a sincere desire and a longing for something that they can't put their finger on. And they've already intellectualized all of this in their brain to such an extent that they won't um, there's a lot of intellectual resistance that's keeping them from just turning around within themselves and gently play, plugging themselves back into that spiritual outlet. And so when they recognize other people, they see other people who are spiritually aligned and living from that spiritual love and truth. It, 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 they are, they can't help but be attracted to it because it's reminding them of that same spirit that lies dormant within them that they are currently disconnected from, that they are currently turned away from. So all you need to do is just live from this place of spiritual love and truth and other people will gravitate towards it and they'll become attracted to it. And then slowly but surely that starts to manifest and build and you can be of service to spiritual love and truth as people start to go, hey, I think I'm living in fear. I think I'm living in spiritual disconnection. I don't know what else is even available to me or what's whatever, but like I need to be recovering this connection. I need to be actively recovering my connection to spiritual love and truth. Just living in this avatar and playing this weird little game of resentments and needing for control and stuff. It's inadequate. It's not enough for me anymore. And that's what we start to do when we come in these rooms and we admit that we're powerless over alcohol because alcohol is something that we were using to control our emotions with in this spiritually disconnected spot. So, um, and then from there, we can start to dig deeper and really look at what's going on. What are these defects of character? What are these survival patterns, these habit patterns uh, that we created in response to trauma and neglect that keep us living in fear and anxiety and that keep us disconnected from true spiritual power? that's all i got for today thanks for sitting in with us thanks for supporting um your own recovery and if you want to come by and be part of our podcast sometimes uh you're more than welcome thank you